and welcome to the One Degree Shift podcast. I'm your host, Eric Termundi, and I'm excited to introduce you to the wonderful guests I've got on season two and the little things they're doing to create a more intentional future for themselves, for their teams, and for the communities around them. I hope you enjoy. Diego Papetta, thank you so much for joining the One Degree Shift podcast. How are you this evening? Coming all the way from, from Germany. Thank you. Sure, Eric. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, I'm great. Uh, I'm great. Had a great week. And well, lots of things to look forward to this quarter. Lots of novelties regarding work, regarding uh, personal life. Mm-hmm. So I'll say that this is definitely one of those periods where I feel supercharged. Mm-hmm. And I always feel like September, October is the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. So um, I have this enthusiasm to start off and uh, exactly kick off this uh, fall season. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm grateful to have you as a guest. I'm curious, though, can you tell us a little bit about, about the work that you're doing now, your, your position and, and what you might be doing a little bit different than anyone else? Yep, sure, Eric. So... Uh, I do have a full-time job, so I'm currently working as a people lead uh, for an engineering team at Signavio. And on the side, I have my freelance project. Well, I'll say my freelance business that will soon have uh, a name and a website. And basically, I do coaching, consulting, and training for managers and leaders. And likewise, I do coaching, consulting, and training for Lean and Six Sigma-related topics. So my, my baby is basically the management and leadership side. Mm-hmm. And the way that I work is I, I do leverage a lot on soft skills and I do uh, lean against emotional intelligence. I do lean against uh, concepts of trust. And I really aim at making my clients get the most out of their people getting the most out of the people in terms of really unleashing the very best out of their people. And the way that I look at management and leadership is in the sense that everyone has a good intention. Everyone has a good intention. And if, if you're having issues with somebody in your team or in your company, always see it this way. These people have got great intentions. So you need to soften up and make that person bring out the best of themselves. And this is where, for example, emotional intelligence comes in with empathy, uh, self-regulation, self-awareness, et cetera. And that's also where uh, building this uh, relationship of trust comes in. So it's up to you, it's your responsibility to always, as a manager, as a leader, to always try and understand what has slipped through, uh, what has slipped through the gaps. it may take you time to recover and to actually bring out the real person that's in front of you, but it's definitely worth it. And uh, unfortunately, we see that many times in today's world, things go so fast. Our lives are so much task-oriented. We are running so much behind our calendars, so much behind our clock, that very often uh, we're losing track of the human aspect of things. So this is what I really try to leverage on. And in the way that I work, I always prefer to have a few clients, but at the same time, 
with these clients, I really, really, really want to have the best working relationship. I basically mm-hmm. want to feel like I'm a family with the client. So I would have, uh, my goal is to reach this level of informal relationship where uh, we, we can talk to each other openly, where we can have the follow-up to our sessions and so on. And I'm also not somebody who uh, beats the clock because if a client has called me in for one hour, but for example, the topic is taking a bit more time, I leave the space to the client and I really treat my clients as gold. And this luckily is working based on the feedback of my clients. And this is also working for me because by working this way, I'm extremely happy. Well, congratulations on on the work that you've done. I'm curious then to better understand the soft skill work that you're doing. Now, on the One Degree Shift podcast, we've had a lot of conversations around soft skills, the importance of soft skills, how they perhaps shouldn't even be called soft skills. They should be called, you know, more, uh, more permanent skills or essential skills. What are you finding is the best way to increase or improve the awareness and then the development thereafter of soft skills? Okay, so in this sense, the, uh, the way that works for me is to really make the person in front of me speak up and to not guide the person in front of me in any way. So for example, if the client in front of me would be stuck on an issue and if they can't, they just can't get out of it, I push my client to change perspectives So I would ask, for example, so if a client would have issues in, for instance, motivating one of their employees that's going through a hard phase in their work or in their lives, and we can't get to the solution, I would, for example, ask my my client, well, have you ever had a similar issue in the past and how was it dealt with? I also try to make my client change perspective. So for example, I would ask my client, okay, in this moment, think of a motivational leader. How do you think that this specific person would deal with this situation? And if the client is totally stuck, I'll even go broader. So for example, how would your boss deal with this situation? How would your favorite movie star deal with the situation? And so on. I would really... I really try to make clients change perspective and often through this kind of reasoning, we get to this aha moment where the client unblocks him or herself mm-hmm. and then moves forward to moves forwards toward the solution of the problem. So soft skills, uh, exactly as you mentioned, are probably to, to be renamed because when you call, when we call them soft skills, they, have this uh, almost negative connotation, especially in respect to hard skills. And because soft skills at the end of the day are human skills, how would you deal with another human in this specific situation with no tangible uh, tools at hand, basically? And how would you like another human to deal with you in that direction? How is the work that you're doing on the side then, you know, influencing the work at Signavio too? You know, what is the, what is the last eight months? How has that impacted the organization? And as people lead for the company, what are some of the things that you're doing different to ensure that not only can you get the best work done, but the psychological safety, morale and engagement continue to be high? In reality, I've just started my work with Signavio. 
so I'm with them since the 1st of October. And so just to give a bit of context to the answer, I so the reason why I joined Signavio was because, yes, I love my consulting job, but I was really, really, really hungry to work hands-on with a team. Hence, uh, I... I was in the conversation with Signavio, then ultimately we decided to finalize the contract. And I can definitely say that it's having a positive impact because on one side, my freelancing business is energizing me in my work for Signavio. And on the flip side, the work at Signavio is energizing me to bring more towards my freelance business. So to answer your question more directly, I through my freelance business, I have the opportunity to see a lot of different problems and a lot of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when we look at, the, a, uh, at an employee that's disengaged or when we look at an employee that's uh, causing certain types of problems in teams, during my freelance job, I really have the opportunity to understand how different managers and how different leaders deal with this problem. And that teaches me in turn and that's also something that I then bring back to the office. What are some of the first things that you want to be doing with Signavio then? What is some of the change that you want to make? How will you best support the organization? So from a team perspective, I want to, since day one, um, really foster a culture of trust mm-hmm. within the team. And Before you tell me the thing too, how do you do that? Okay, so creating trust is about acting so showing the team that you can actually do what you're appointed for it's also about being believable so not only showing the team that you can do what you've been called for but making the team truly believe in you and truly believe in what you're doing Uh, showing the team that you care you care for the people you care for the people around you and you care for the team when i say team i'm also referring to my stakeholders So caring about your stakeholders and your team, both at a professional level and at a personal level, and also show the team that they can depend on you. So showing the team that you are there and you're fully dependable. And uh, I really like the acronym uh, for trust that Ken Blanchard uses. So he basically uses the ABCD of trust. That basically covered what I just uh, said. And and yes, now more and more, and here we're going towards, let's say, the future of work, more and more I'm integrating elements directly connected to emotional intelligence in my work. So for example, since day one, I have given my team members and, and the people around me the free space to say, hey, if on a certain day, you are feeling a certain emotion, be it positive, be it negative, just voice it out. Mm -hmm. Voice it out, don't keep it inside, and let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. If you are are under a certain emotion and you're confused, you don't know what this emotion is about, then let's talk about it and let's try to find the root cause and let's try to name this emotion because I really want our emotions to run free in the office environment. And I really want us to be open in the sense. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're sad, if you're angry, don't hide it because this just causes frustration mm-hmm. and this just detaches us from having a human interaction in the office. Mm-hmm. So yes, in this sense, 
with my team. So what I'm aiming to bring in with my team is creating this open relationship of trust, this open relationship of being emotionally, basically being emotionally free, uh, not being constrained by certain topics. And I'm also aiming at creating a strong culture of diversity and inclusion. So for instance, if, if we're at a company party or if we're at a dinner, I really want to make everyone understand how important it is to be vegan or how important it is for somebody to, to decide to not drink alcohol or how important it is, for example, for a person that has a slightly different background to be in the team. So, hey, true, you are diverse compared to the rest of the pack, but tell us more about your diversity and let's all learn from this diversity. So this Mm -hmm. is also a point that I'm very open about. And uh, this is also a point that I'm very attentive about. So for example, even if it's a fully, uh, if it's a team with males, I do ask the people in the team not to use the word guys and so on and so forth. You know, as we start to wrap up, Given that the One Degree Shift podcast is, is so short, bite-sized information that we can, we can all get to make those little shifts. What would you say the, 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 the One Degree Shift that, that a leader needs to make now that they aren't? Where is modern leadership going wrong? And, and what can we do to improve our presence on the leadership stage? So in my opinion, leadership needs to always be predictive and leadership always needs to look forward. So let me give you an example, and I'll use a completely different example. So with these unfortunate times with COVID, so for example, we've seen how the shifts of people have gone, for example, from buying in-store to buying online, and how the shifts of people have gone in their buying habits. And this is something that we could have totally predicted as soon as COVID started, because as a consequence, if if we would be all more in our homes, we would uh, be buying more online, etc. So this is the same concept that would apply to leadership. So leadership, so somebody who is a leader should always ask themselves, hey, what will happen in the next three months, six months, one year, and so on, and look forward, uh, make some predictions, and already adapt to that leadership style, and already be transformative in that sense. So an example now is, okay, we are remote working. As a leader, you should be aware that remote working could represent the future of work. So in that sense, what can you do today as a leader in order to make remote work in one year be much easier? And how can you fast forward into one year? This is something that a leader always has to have in mind because often I find that leaders wait to get to a certain point And at that moment, they have this aha moment where they say, hey, how do I move? How do I act? How do I behave? And trust your instincts. It's always better to predict wrongly rather than to not predict at all and Mm -hmm. stay where you're standing. Mm -hmm. Um, Trust your instinct and be extremely agile. If you're taking one course of action and you see that things are not going your way, hey, have the guts to stop and to change course um, in that moment. Absolutely. Diego, thank you so much for your time. Where can uh, people get in touch with you? Uh, well, uh, the to-go place is LinkedIn. 
Mm-hmm. So it would be great if people would just reach out to me. My profile is Diego Papera on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And and I'll be happy to grow my community and to exchange with people who are interested in what we spoke about. Fantastic. Diego Papera, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much, Eric. And thanks. Thanks for the opportunity to be in this podcast.